unto God with a voice of triumph. The church has been silent far too long. Silence is not reverence. Don't mistake them. I'm going to say it again. Silence is not reverence. When our children are being groomed for illicit lifestyles in the third grade of the schools your tax dollars support, it's time to be silent no more. We got to... Mm. Somebody got to stand up to be seen, speak out to be heard, and shout for emphasis. Shout and take your schools back. Shout and take your neighborhood back. Shout and take your children back. Shout and take your city back. Shout and take your mind back. Shout until every terrorized child is free from human trafficking and slavery. Shove somebody and tell them we just ain't gonna take it no more. I said shove somebody. Why are we so quiet in church? Where we're, well, we're being reverent. No, you're not. How many of you going to heaven, at least right now? All right. All right. I'm going I'm to say this. At least right now you think you are. Because sometimes we're not sure. Sometimes we've been so busy in the church pulling in the net, we forgot to sort the fish. And there are wheat and tares growing all together in the same bunch. Folks attend religious services for all kinds of different reasons. If you think everybody here tonight's here for the same reason as you, you're probably confused. Sitting is a contented posture. Where you sit, you intend to stay. So if you don't intend to stay where you are right now, shout. Shout until in your spirit you're someplace other than where your body is right now. Silence is the language of defeat. Shouting is the language of victory. When the Dallas Cowboys score a touchdown and you're at the game or you're at home with your popcorn on your belly, do you, do you just say, huh? How about them boys? Look at you. 
if shouting is offensive to God, we have a misunderstanding of heaven. Your Bible says there are a hundred billion cherubim, each of them having four faces. If they have four faces, they have four mouths. Stand a reason? That's 400 billion cherubim in the immediate proximity of the throne of God. I feel God in here. I... And your Bible says, if one, now they're not those little fat bellied cherubim things, you know, you see at the Hallmark store. That's, that's not what they are. They're 12 feet high, 15 feet high, 100 feet high. And they have four mouths. And if one of them whispers, the foundations in the temple of God quake. What must happen when 400 billion of them are shouting, the Lord God omnipotent reigns? Why don't you join them right now and give pra praise to the glorified Lamb of God? Yeah. Jehovah. Isus Hakaboth, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty. And how big is your God? Your Bible said he hung the earth on nothing, turned it upside down, pointed at it, and told the oceans he refused to allow them to spill a drop. How big is your God? He came from teeming. He came from nothing because there was nowhere for him to come from because he had already been there. He came from no one without mother or father, without beginning of days or ends of life. He's big enough to take care of every problem at your house by the end of this service tonight in this house. Now praise him like you believe it so. No, you praise him. I see folks clapping. Well, the book said, and the book is right, and they are wrong. I'm gonna try with the saved folks over here. The book is right, and they are wrong. The book is right, and Fox News is wrong. The book is right, and CNN is wrong. The book is right, and the Wall Street Journal is wrong. We are not political beings, we're spiritual beings. We are kingdom people. Clapping is the language of authority. You know why? Because it's flesh on flesh. And every time you do that, you remind the devil, he got no flesh. Therefore, he has no authority. Jesus had authority because he was the son of man. He had 
anointing because he was the son of God. And through the power of the Holy Ghost, you've got all three. And the only reason to have a body is to express the life that's in it. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are both his. Woo! invited me one night, one night. I can't say howdy in one night. Let's see, clapping is, you ever see the king and I? It's not a sin, the king and I. It's a movie, there's no swearing in it. Every time the king wanted something, he went, why don't you just, to every devil trying to steal your joy, take your peace, ruin your family, wreck your marriage. Clapping is the language of authority. Because you're in an earth suit, baby, and as long as you're here, you're in authority. Want me to give you another one? I do it every morning. I do it every night. I do it wherever I am. Spinning, Judah, is the language of warfare. Now, if you got anything you want run off and don't want to see it back, I dare you to spin one time. Do it one more time and clap and shout while you do it. They call World Harvest Church the first church of the aerobics. Because we stand up and sit down more than Roman Catholics. I don't know if you can handle this one or not. Running, running is the language of freedom. And tonight, we're gonna run through a troop and leap over a wall and shout hallelujah. You can be seated. I, I, I can't say hello to everybody individually or it'll, it'll take two and a half hours. I do want to recognize the Assistant General Overseer of the Great City Harvest Network, Bishop Wendell Hutchins. Stand up and let us say hello to you. The Ambassador and West Coast Leader of City Harvest Network, Brian Bolt, who has preached for you before, Bishop Brian Bolt. And sitting next to him, I don't know if you've ever been here before. Have you been here before? Yeah. No. Well, you know him if you've ever turned on a television set. He is the goat. 
like the real one, the greatest of all time, the man who handed the body of Christ so much of the revelation on biblical economics, the incomparable Dr. John Avanzini is with us tonight. Stand up and let folks say hello. Oh, we love you so much. Thank you so much. And his grandson, Jason Avanzini, is here as well. Are you ready? You didn't think I'd begun, did you? No. I don't begin till I take a text. Sometimes it's like an hour in. Look at them, they're all getting nervous. Like, man, the jack-in-the-box closes. Man, I'm so honored to be here. I'm so honored to be here. If, if you think I say this in every church 200 times a year, you, you would be mistaken. This is, without exception, one of the greatest churches of local, national, regional, and worldwide impact I have ever had the honor of standing. Now, I, I've been in places, had a whole lot of people, but they didn't have very many Jesus people. They had, no. But we're working on them. I said, we're working on them. I got a brand new book. It took me two years to write it. It's called Revival If. Everybody says, why would you put the if on it? Because all the blessings of God, all the promises of God, every edict that God, through His Son Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, made in the 1,166 pages of that book. Every one of them is conditional. You won't hear very many preachers say that. What does conditional mean? Well, let me break it down for you. God says, I will do this if you do that. The body of Christ is under the misconception that the blessings of the kingdom of heaven just fall over the sapphire cell of heaven's gate and ping you on ahead like a ripe cherry. But they do not. God says, give, and it shall. God exalts the man who humbles himself. All the blessings, the edicts of God, the pronouncements, the proclamations of God from heaven into your life are conditional. Here's why. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, all the way back in the beginning, God forever surrendered his right to act independently in your life. We say, why won't you heal me? God says, why don't you? Healing is not a promise. Healing's an established fact. He's not going to heal you. He already did. And he did it. Spirit, soul, and body, and everything that pertains to life and godliness. But there are conditions that must be met. Otherwise, why would we all be here? Why are we here, by the way? 
When you get to be my age, I'm 65 and still alive. And people say, why do you shout? Because I can. God blessed me to write a New York Times bestselling book called Silent No More. In 2004, way back when Jesus was just a toddler. And, and seven years ago this month, a doctor looked at me and he said those two words that are designed to strike terror in your heart and mind. It's cancer. Cancer. Of your vocal cord. We don't know if you will ever speak again. That was seven years ago. Now you know why I shout. I shout because I can. I shout because if I don't, the creation will cry out. And since I'm part of that creation of the highest order of God's creative design, I refuse not to shout. Why are we all here? When you're my age, questions haunt you. Why are we all here? We're all here because we're not all there. No, that's not it. Why are, why are we here? What's this all about? You know, this church thing. Did you ever wonder why you do what you do? The preacher that never asks humbly before the throne of God, why have you called me to do this? Is a preacher not worth his weight? Why are we here? Why do we need that camera and that camera? Why do we need those beautiful seats and this beautiful floor and this platform? It's elevated and a pulpit and a microphone. Why? Why? What's this all about? Why do we need a youth group? Why do we need to rescue the children? You know, what concern is it of ours? Why do we do what we do? Here's why. The apex of all Christian endeavor. Here's why we pray. Here's why we sing. Here's why we worship. Here's why we give. Here's why we preach. Here's why we witness. The apex of all Christian endeavor. God help the church to learn this basic fact is to place a jewel of a soul in the crown of our Savior so that the Lamb of God who was slain may receive the reward of his suffering. It's not a, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to flip you out right now. It's not about you. Modern church is all about you. It's very little about him. 
Therefore, we're losing a generation. If we are ever going to revitalize a civilization, rescue a nation, restore a civilization, rescue a generation, if we're ever going to do that, we have to understand why we do what we do. Why do I have a Bible college? Why do I have a preparatory school? Why do we have City Harvest Network? Why do we have a women's clinic across the street from Planned Parenthood where in the last eight years we have saved from the abortuary across the street 15,000 babies? Why? 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 Why feed the hungry? Why rescue the impoverished? Why reach out a hand to the hurting? Why put on a suit and a necktie? Why padded pews? Why crystal chandeliers? Why? When you distill the whole thing, it's about your nephew. It's about that little 13-year-old girl. It's about your lost husband at home guzzling his beard and watching something you shouldn't. It's about poverty and sickness and pain and suffering and malady and malfunction and disease. It's about every curse and blight known to the human family, all for which the blessed Son of God climbed Calvary's craggy hill and there suffered, bled, sighed, and died for you. And this, dear one, we call these services, they're really not services. Service happens outside these walls. In the highways, in the byways, in the marketplace, in the schoolyard, at work, wherever. Elie Wiesel, who survived the Holocaust and won the Nobel Peace Prize, said, I swore to never ever be silent again wherever men and women endure suffering and humiliation. Zell Miller said, a great senator from the state of Georgia said, when the eagles are silent, the parrots begin to jabber. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things which matter most. 70% of the people born in America will live their entire life, die in America, be put in a casket or cremated, and go into eternity. 70% will never be invited to a church like this one time in their life. America's the fourth greatest mission field on earth. But we drive past the mission field to go to the mission field. Hurting, lost, broken people are scattered like leaves in the wind all around us. But we're like that rich man with Lazarus laying at his gate. We're blessed, we're prospered. Do you know if you have a pillow? Raise your hand if you have a pillow. I haven't got to my text yet, just so you know. Do you have a pillow? Yeah. 
you have a refrigerator somewhere with some food in it. You ate at least one meal today. You had to decide which pair of your shoes to wear today. You've got more than one pair. You're in the top 87 percentile of the wealthiest people living on this planet right now. We have the wrong message of prosperity. You don't, you don't need to be blessed. You are blessed. I dare you right now to thank God for your pillow. I dare, I dare you to thank God for safety in your home. I dare, I could take you to Ukraine with me right now where the battles of Gog and Magog are shaping up faster than the unlocked wheels of time will carry you, beginning with the invasion of Russia into Ukraine and our abandonment of our own people in Afghanistan. The time clock began to wind. Jesus is coming very, very soon. Faster than the fleetest hoof ever struck a pavement. Faster than a wheel ever turned upon an axle. The magnificent magnitude of his perfect person sweeping out from north to south and east to west. And if your blood bought, if your blood washed, if your Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized, I got good gospel news for you. It doesn't matter if you're four miles under the crusty surface of the earth in a coal mine. Do we still have any open? I don't know. Or flying around at 41,000 feet at 550 miles an hour. When the crack of his long whip billows out like the crash of a thousand cannons, you're coming out of here. The old pop song said, come on, get happy. We're going to see the king. Well, maybe we are. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 15 has been stirring around, and it just it, it keeps me up at night, and I hear it. I've, I've never heard anybody preach from it, and, and I've only preached from it once, and I don't know that I'm going to preach from it tonight, but at least I want to drop it out for you to pick it up. The King James Version says words along these lines. The horse leech has two daughters. Crying, give, give. Double enunciation. Always designed to arrest attention. My Father and my God. My Lord and my King. Over and over again, the double enunciation of God is given to catch our attention. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm a horse leech. No, say it. A horse leech. A horse leech. All kinds of leeches in the Middle East, just like there are in America, but this particular one is used 
by the wisest men that ever lived for a purpose. A normal leech will attach itself. A leech is a parasite. You just called your neighbor a parasite. A parasite, watch, is an organism that cannot live by itself. It must attach itself to another living organism from which it will extract, extract blood. But a horse leech does not operate like a normal leech just merely by suction. A horse leech has a round mouth filled with razor-sharp teeth so that it, when it attaches to the tongue or the roof of the mouth of a horse, it will not let go. Because it can't live without that blood. There are three words, the Passion Translation says, that describe the greedy. Shout, I'm greedy. Shout, I want more. I can't live without more. I have to have more. I refuse to be refused. I deny to be denied. What I have of Jesus today, I refuse to have that amount tomorrow. The revelation I have now, I refuse to be squandered. I must have more. I must have more of his presence, more of his power, more of his passion, more of his desire, more of his heart, more of his mind more of his strength, more of his peace. I cry, give, give. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.